Welcome to Vincent Price's Laugh. Good evening, Elby. Hello. So, Andrew, we are officially in October. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Like you don't know? Uh, every day is October for me. Oh, every day is Halloween? <laughs> Shucks, yeah. Okay. It's the spookiest, ookiest month, and we have some spooky, ooky shows coming up. Yeah, so peel those peepers and get them ears going for that. I, I don't. How do you get your ears going? Uh, you just clean them out. Okay, clean out your ears, everybody. <laughs> it's a good thing. Don't... Use Q-tip, don't push, just whatever, just stay tuned. All right, so we're, we're gonna kick all that off in a moment, but first we wanna say a big thank you to our friend Kyle Laugh from the Laughing Horror Podcast, who had us on a little bit ago talking about Wes Craven and his work. We talked about television movies. Yeah. A lot of focus usually goes on about Wes Craven's regular old movie career, and we decided to focus on his odd TV movies. Yeah, so you can check that out and more at the Laughing Horror Podcast. You can follow it on Twitter at laughing underscore horror or laughinghorror.podbean.com. All right, on with the show! <laughs> okay, Mr. Showman, what are we talking about tonight? House on Haunted Hill. I'm Vincent Price, and you're invited to my party in the House on Haunted Hill, where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. <laughs> So won't you come and make it eight? You'll see human heads without bodies. Ah! Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. The ghosts are waiting, so won't you join me in the house on Haunted Hill? Hooray, or you'll be late for your own funeral. It's about time we uh, talked about our namesake again, don't you? Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of movies. We've seen a lot of them, some of them. And this one, I'm pretty sure we've seen before. Yeah. But we decided to tackle it again. This movie was made in 1959. 59! Starring Vincent Price, directed by William Castle. If you guys are avid listeners of this show, you'll have already heard on our Tingler episode a bit about William Castle. Put a lot of hard work into it, so go back and listen to it again. If you haven't already, go back and listen to it for the first time. It's fun. It's cool. It's informative. He does gimmicks in his movies. I ain't going to get into it this time. <laughs> go listen to it. Yeah. So, Andrew, tell me what House on Haunted Hill is about. A rich dude and his wife, he throws a party for her. They hate each other, by the way. And the people of the party don't know her at all. They kind of know him, or at least... They're sort of business associates, Yeah, maybe? he knows of them in some way, so yeah. he invites them. There's a prize at the end of the night, in the morning, around 8 a.m., that if they stay the night in the house in a haunted hill and live, they get $10,000 each. Which in 1959 was a lot more money than it is today. But there are either ghosts in the haunted house or there are things that appear to be ghosts in the haunted house. It's called a house on Haunted Hill. Yeah. Maybe the hill's just haunted and the house isn't. No, I think it's the house. I think there are ghosts in the house. It has a sordid past. Lots yes. of murders in this house. Watson Pritchard is the homeowner and caretaker of the house, but he doesn't ever want to be in there, and he keeps on talking about how this place is haunted. Yeah. And everybody died, and not just died. Oops, I slipped on a banana peel or something silly, or fell asleep and got eaten by his dogs. No, that's a reference to another movie. Anyway, no, they died, and... They got their heads chopped off. Or... 
stabbed in the heart or hung or something, you know, very strange ways to die. Not your average way of death. And there were seven people that died previously, I yes. think. Yes. So he's constantly warning, and then he's like trying to leave. I advise you to call this party off now. The ghosts are already moving, and that's a bad sign. Trying to leave, and he can't leave because the house got locked down, and dang it, everybody who was already in the house is stuck. Yeah, they're stuck. They don't have the choice anymore. The hired help of the house just decided to lock them in without their consent. And they had the keys. Yeah. The windows have bars, everything is sealed tight. And then a double-crossy, backstabby murder plot begins. Yep. As well as weird ghosts perhaps haunting the place. Yeah. Now, I saw this movie as a child. I remember it coming on AMC a lot. Remember? Oh, when back when they showed movies. Yeah, remember that? Remember when AMC American showed movie movies? American movie classics. I think we do this Free. episode that we talk about Vincent Price movies <laughs> because this is primarily where you saw Vincent yeah. Price movies was on AMC. Uh-huh. And we always do this bit. <laughs> remember when they used to show movies, not reality TV shows or zombie shows or Anyway, point is, they used to show a lot of different movies. Yeah, I loved when they showed the old, old horror movies. That's where you saw the blob and so on. Yeah, yeah. And this film is the one that made me go, who's this man? Who's this debonair man with the mustache and the awesome voice? Who who are you you referring to? You're talking about Ernie Kovacs, aren't you? No. I'm talking about Vincent Price. Oh, oh. Ernie Kovacs is he's a pioneer TV show of like kooky TV show host back then. He had a mustache and he was tall with Vincent Price. (laughs) Otherwise didn't look like him. Okay. The house on Haunted Hill did have gimmicks. I'll touch on a couple. I wasn't gonna, but (laughs) it did have gimmicks. Well, one gimmick, and it was the skeleton that flew across the audience, hanging on a wire. Yeah, that was called Emerjo. Presented in (laughs) Emerjo. Kids would catch on to this and start throwing popcorn and jelly beans and licorice sticks at the skeleton. Old-timey movie snacks. Yep. So it was shot in black and white and on the cheap. Yeah, this was one of William Castle's famous low-budget films that actually inspired Alfred Hitchcock. Hitchcock? Hitchcock. Hitchcock. To make the movie Psycho. Film that inspired Psycho. You've heard of Psycho? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Psycho. I've seen both versions of Psycho. With a lower budget because he knew that he'd make a lot of money after seeing the box office success of movies like House on Haunted Hill. Well, as a primer, everybody, movies right now, 1959, color was a thing. Hitchcock had already made some color movies, Rear Window and North by Northwest. Right. And they were studio-backed, big-budget movies. Psycho had a problem. The topic? Hadn't been done before. No. The studio was like, nah, I don't know. And so to cut the budget, went black and white. I don't know what else he got from Castle, but I do believe black and white was a major thing. Yeah, probably. You sent me a link earlier to an interview with the daughter of William Castle. Yeah, Terry. Terry, Terry Castle. And she says that her dad really loved Hitchcock. She said that they kind of had this professional relationship with each other. And Castle really respected Hitchcock. But he was really happy because around the time Psycho came out, the Castle film Homicidal also came out. Yeah. And everybody always thought that Homicidal was kind of a ripoff of Psycho. Huh. But Time Magazine actually preferred Homicidal over Psycho, so it was just kind of like this little win that, yeah. that, that well, William Castle had. 
Hitchcock is the A picture while Castle is the B picture. Right. <laughs> yeah. The house on Haunted Hill. The oh. house is supposedly a character. It's not really too much of a character. It's supposed to be. Yeah, okay. But it looks like a character because it is the Ennis House. Yeah, that house is a very important piece of American architecture. It was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, and he used a technique that he called- Lego pieces? Because it reminds me we have Lego pieces. Giant Lego pieces stacked on top of each other. He called it a textile house. It has a Mayan motif with the interlocking cinder blocks, which is what you're talking about, the Legos. Right. The house has that throughout, even on the inside, is that yeah, right? Yeah, it's inside, it's outside. You can see this house in many other movies in Hollywood. Right. From this movie, House on Haunted Hill to Blade Runner to Karate Kid Part 3, Glimmer Man, Replacement Killers, Rush Hour, 13th Floor. You can see the interior of this house on the 13th floor. And a lot of other movies, too. Yeah, and even Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show. Oh, yes. I know that's your favorite. No, not really. <laughs> it's with Spike and Drusilla and... I'm jealous. Yeah, the evil angel. Yeah, I'm jealous. Because you <laughs> add us and that makes it evil. Yeah, that's where they lived. So what do you really like about this film? What makes it hold up? Why is it still relevant today? Yes. That's what you're asking? Kinda, yes. Okay, I think it's very atmospheric. It's got a really great score that yeah. adds to that atmosphere. A lot of theremin going on. Yeah, what's cool about it is there actually is a mystery. And first, firstly, let me say this story was actually based on the Agatha Christie novel, Ten Little Indians. So there is an air of mystery. And what's cool about this movie is you don't know if there actually are ghosts. There's this ambiguity when it comes to are there ghosts or maybe there's not ghosts. Right. I think by the end of it, it's hinted at that there quite possibly could be or just one of those people are crazy. Right. But he's really compelling. <laughs> just how that last scene is shot. Now there are nine. There'll be more, many more. They're coming for me now. And then they'll come for you. And the camera hangs on him. Right. And it looks all creepy and like, where's the evidence of that dude? <laughs> But okay, you're awful creepy, so maybe this place is haunted. Maybe. The other thing I like about it is it actually does have themes throughout that make it a resonant story. There's psychological stuff going on, like, all over the place. There's a bunch of hysteria, which is what they say. Hysteria. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of manipulation happening between the main characters. Vincent Price and his wife. Yeah, the dynamic between them is your typical husband and wife who hate each other's story, which, by the way, William Castle seems to like. Yeah, I think, yeah, because if you've listened to our Tingler episode, that was a big part of the Tingler. Definitely. So it's a recurring theme, at least in these two movies with Vincent Price, which may have actually something to do with Vincent Price. We don't know. Right. So the underlying effort here, I guess, is they are at each other's throats. The whole party is actually a veiled attempt to murder each other. Well, okay, I'm not gonna say fully that it's two attempts. 
I think he just caught on to them. Okay. I'm kind of giving some stuff away, but it came out in 1959, so... That's okay. You've had a long time to catch up on this. <laughs> so he catches on to the plot and then uses that to his advantage. He's like three steps ahead. He figured it out a while yeah. ago. And he turns it on his would-be assailants who had assumed he was dead. Right. So his wife and one of the party guests actually do know each other. They are having an affair with each other. Right. And she's been planning this night for a while, apparently. She probably married Vincent Price for his money and is being infidelitous. She thinks that he's going to kill her because she's not his first wife. No, his other wives were all younger wives and died mysteriously of heart attacks. Right, in their 20s, yeah, right. And she had actually tried to poison him before. You remember the fun we had when you poisoned me? <laughs> Something you ate, the doctor said. Yes, arsenic on the rocks. So they've been going back and forth with this kill each other, don't kill each other thing for quite some time. And she thinks that this evening is the perfect time to exact this plan so she can be rid of him. And get all of his money. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, he's like three steps ahead. He has to be for his flip of their plan to actually have worked. Yeah. Well, the... Or just completely paranoid and showed up with a bulletproof vest in the first place. <laughs> Maybe. One, one step ahead. Yeah. Which is always wear a bulletproof vest because that very well might have been it yeah that's true so here's where the manipulation and fear and hysteria comes in is one of the party guests the young female guest is sort of chosen i guess because she's the most skittish of the group yep indeed she is things are set up so that she is the only person that sees them yeah she's targeted so at every turn they enhance the situation for her and just make her freak out right even more and more and more right and severed heads and whatever. Yeah. And of course, she's a young woman in the 1950s, so she must just be hysterical. Don't, yeah, if, you know. If she's got an emotion. Yeah. Any emotion at all, you need to calm down, lady. Now, there, it is kind of funny because the older woman that was chosen ain't phased by nothing. Even when there's bumps going right. on, even when the chandelier falls, she's just like, Would anyone care to mix me a drink? <laughs> right? <laughs> but she even gets blood dripped on her hands from a stain from the ceiling. Yeah, and she's just like, like, she doesn't move. She just looks up. Oh, blood. Okay. Oh, I should move. <laughs> oh. So Mrs. Lauren, the wife, and her lover, the doctor, they are counting on this young woman to fulfill their plan. Earlier in the evening, they gave out party favors to the guests, which were actually guns. And so they're all carrying around these guns all night, which is definitely effective against ghosts, by the way. Yep. So they trick her into thinking that the host of the party, Mr. Lauren, Mr. Vincent Price, is trying to kill her, which puts her way on the defensive. And they think that she's going to end up shooting him. And guess what? She does. She's not the only one who ever experiences any weird stuff. There's her guy counterpart, the handsome young man. Right. He gets shoved into a dark room and bonks his head or something. Right. And they're like, it's a ghost. He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> Don't know. Yeah. No clue. And but that's is that the only thing that he experiences outright that other than the falling chandelier? Yeah, I think so. She so she's the only person that experiences anything. And then the double cross happens. Vincent is 
thought to be dead. It fades to black, and then I'm all annoyed because they need to show us what's happening because it establishes that he's actually gonna be a go- Oh. <laughs> right. I was wrong by anticipating that. Okay, so here's the twist. Got it, good. Uh, uh-huh, uh, right? I actually quite like this movie. Even though the interiors of the film don't match the exterior. Oh, that's right, yeah. That's worth mentioning. The interior is obviously a stage set. Yeah, it's very Victorian and... um, And Blank walls and... It's not that ornate. Only certain rooms are ornate. When you get down to the basement, it just... Everything is really flat and does not look like a basement. Nope. It does have a pit of acid in the basement, which comes to play towards the end of the film. Yeah. So, Andrew, what were the standout moments to you in House on Haunted Hill? It could be something small. Okay, well, it's not really with a plot or anything. It's just, I really like the opening. It's also in the trailer, Uh but the opening shots, there's two shots. There's the floating head of Pritchett, Uh and that's just like, whoa, this is something different. It's a floating head. And then there's another floating head of Vincent Price saying who he is, introducing us to the story and the setting, and his is superimposed over the house on Haunted Hill. I'm Frederick Lauren. And I've rented the house on Haunted Hill tonight so that my wife can give a party. A haunted house party. She's so amusing. There'll be food and drink and ghosts and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. If any of you will spend the next 12 hours in this house, I'll give you each $10,000 or your next of kin in case you don't survive. Yeah, it's really cool. You know, at the very beginning, before Pritchard's hit, comes up there's just a blank black screen yeah and lots of screaming and, and like haunted house type noises yeah they say that, that that part of the film is what popularized the haunted house soundtrack for like halloween parties huh interesting because also the tingler had moments where it's black screen and screaming and horror and bloody right. death all right. I'm going to ask you the same thing. What was so memorable about this movie, LB? Well, I like the title sequence, too. However, I was disappointed with the actual font that was used in the title itself. Wait, in the trailer, it's really awesome. Yes, that's true. All the typography used in the trailer. It's really great. Yeah. It's awesome. Starring. That's a price. Starring. So-and-so. Look out. Behind you. Monsters. Ghosts. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Right. In the actual film, though, not so much. It's sort of disappointing. One of my favorite things about old horror movies is that title card. It's always so cool looking. Like some awesome old type font that's spooky well. or dramatic. They're usually handmade. Yeah, this one, it just looks like it's full house. Kind of. Not as terrible, but very reminiscent. Yeah, why didn't they use the trailer one? I don't know. Darn it. Right, that would have totally been the icing on the cake. Right. This movie is in the public domain, so you can watch it anywhere for free. Just about, yeah. Colorized, black and white. We prefer black and white. Yeah. There is a release the Shout Factory put out. It's it's not a single Blu-ray, but it's in a collection. It's the Vincent Price collection. Two. Volume two. So you know that there is like a good, clean copy of it because most of the copies, since it is... Public domain. Yeah, it 
there it's like a uh, copy of a copy. Oh, okay. Trent Reznor. Not all of the copies are that bad. The ones that we checked out, we checked out two or three. One of them was pretty good and it looked like a second generation off of a very good copy from a TV channel that was showing it somewhere. But a lot of them are... VHS rips. Yeah. But the image that really resonates with me is when the young girl, Nora, is down in the basement by herself. She's just kind of lurking around. She bends down or something. She's looking at something on the wall. And the ghost happens? Yeah, the ghost happens. She rises back up. Then and her arms are sticking out. Yeah. And she's got this ghoulish face. She kind of looks like a Halloween decoration. Right. She's got a black gown on, right? Uh-huh. And she just slides across the floor out the door yeah this old hag looking lady and she just glides right out and you're like what what is that that's funny and scary at the same time she doesn't really move but she's no. moving yeah as if she's a mannequin or something yeah on a little cart and they pulled her along what's funny though is if you look at the credits their character's name it's a real character she turns out she's the housekeeper she's not a ghost Right. And she's blind. This is another thing he likes to have. At least in the other Vincent Price movie, there was also another blind lady. Here, there's a blind lady. I'm just saying, I think I, I noticed a couple of things. Okay. But what about this blind caretaker of the house? Her name is Mrs. Slides. Wait, she slid across the floor? Yeah. And her name is Mrs. Slides? Uh-huh. I wonder if George Lucas was influenced by William Castle's writing. So as resonant and as good and as satisfying as this movie is, you'd think, no need for a remake. You want to remake something like, I don't know, My Bloody Valentine or something, which they ended up doing, and it's decent for a remake as well. But here, in 1999, they decided to remake House on Haunted Hill. Where's the party? Looks like we're at. This Halloween, six strangers have been invited to a party. If they can stay up till dawn, they'll win one million dollars each. Hey, I think I got something. The only catch is that they'll have to live through the night. House on Haunted Hill. They really made it haunted. Right, that's the main difference in the two films is this house on Haunted Hill is an old asylum, that horror trope, where the crazy doctor was overpowered by the patients and the place burns down during the riot and now they all haunt the house. So it's not just that the place burned down, but the mad doctor actually killed a lot of them as well. So those ghosts, plus the doctor, plus everybody who burned up. Yep. Otherwise, it's pretty much the same movie. Bones and all, the same double cross, same bulletproof vest. Uh-huh. The husband-wife relationship is a little more intense, yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. They've got much more vitriol towards yeah. each other. It's not as subtle as the original film. You know, if you really love me, Find a way to drop dead in the next three seconds. Finding ways for me to die is really your deal, isn't it, Evelyn? Let's not forget the OJ knife with the not quite retractable blade. Your Jim Jones Kool-Aid that was exactly that. Accidents. All accidents until proven otherwise. In 59, the insults were kind of classy and... More passive-aggressive, I suppose. Yeah. Snide, oh. but not... Not just downright mean and spiteful. Yeah, and then 99, they're mean and spiteful. Mm -hmm. But towards the end, there's a scene where dude throws his wife through the wall, and it's the center of the house. So the evil that the house is starts to come out, and she says... Stephen, are you doing this? No. 
time that you see between the two characters that they really have concern for each other and they don't really want each other to die. Which is different than the other film as well. Yeah. Blink and you'll miss it. So I used to think that the 99 version was alright. We watched it again and now I don't. It totally suffers from being a 1999 horror movie. Films in the 90s had this thing of they relied too heavily on CGI to make the film good or impressive and... You're talking about like late 90s sort of genre affair? Yeah, especially things like, uh, I don't know, Anaconda or something. Okay. They thought that they could get by on cool effects but those effects don't carry the film in by by way of like actually creating tension and having a nice pace or like really caring about whether the characters survive or not i don't really care if ally larder makes it out of the haunted house alive or not because her character just is not that compelling i think the watson pritchard is pretty compelling. It's played by Chris Kattan, and I've always enjoyed Chris Kattan's work. Not necessarily every single thing, <laughs> but I've always found him to be rather humorous, and I know that he was sort of distracting you when we watched it this last time, but I still really think his moments are pretty funny and pretty great, and they were necessary for the movie, because he's the guy that knows this place is messed up. So, uh, is this dump really haunted? Uh, it, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty scary. Uh, is there a reason why we're not moving forward at all? And his delivery is always really funny in there, but it's juxtaposed upon everybody else's blandness, as you say. Right. So that's one of the reasons why I kind of like this. I like this more than you. But I don't like the ghost effects of the major shadow ghost. The big bad. Yeah, which is an amalgam of all the other ghosts that show up. Yeah. <laughs> it's laughable. It is very two-dimensional. Uh-huh. It's a Rorschach ink blot sort of thing. That's uh -huh. what they were going for, so each side mirrors the other side of the ghost entity. Right. But within, if you look at it, it's not just clouds of murky grayness and uh -huh. ink blots that are just floating around. It's also naked ladies and wailing souls. <laughs> and they're all toned the same way. Yeah. So they're all this dark gray tone all over the place. And because they composited it all together in a computer and then slapped it onto the scene as opposed to having some sort of practical smoke billowing somehow. Yeah. It looks really dated and flat and dorky. Totally dorky. And I know that's what you really hated about this movie. Yeah. That and this, this sort of turn of the century horror is starting to look like it's a dark carnival sort of thing. Yeah, that's not really a thing I'm into, and it really might be the fault of the Saw series. How do you mean? They started that torture porn thing, which can be interesting. Yeah, well, that did start a trend, but I think that goes back a little earlier than that. I think turn of the century, literally, like 2000. In the wake of Scream, in the wake of... House on Onded Hill, this brand of horror where it's like, they're always in an ensemble for one, but horror tended to go, oh, Scream had a kid that liked movies, especially liked horror movies, but he was just a regular dorky guy. Instead, they just started dressing that dorky guy like he shopped at Hot Topic. Right, okay. So mall cultures, I think, started merging Hot Topic and Spencer's Gifts, 
Halloween type stores started saying, if you like horror movies, you have to dress in our clothes. You have to buy our paraphernalia. And that proves that you're a horror fan. So I think Lionsgate and companies like this started grabbing onto these and started pumping out lots and lots of low budget stuff that just perpetuated this idea that that's what it is to be a horror fan. Right. And when I worked at Blockbuster, and I worked there for four and a half years, I was their stupid Randy character from Scream. Oh, Scream. sure. And I noticed that the people who liked horror movies were people. Like anybody? Yeah, you couldn't peg them as, oh, you like horror movies, because they also like other movies. They also wanted to watch, and God forbid, Adam Sandler movies. They were movie watchers. Right. And they don't wear a uniform, and the uniform... I think, mall culture-wise, became this sort of thing that Hot Topic pushed. Right. So I think horror went that way for a long time, and I think it's now coming back out of it. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, there's a lot of new, unique voices in the genre who have a lot of vision. They're not just trapped in old tropes, or if they are doing something with an old trope, they try to turn it on its head. Right. And though I like some of his work, it's not all Rob Zombie and the Dark Carnival. Very true. And that's what House on Haunted Hill 1999 has a lot in it. It has a lot of that Dark Carnival stuff before that was even popular. Right. It was um, the what, the director did Fear.com. Yeah, which is after yeah. House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. I have not been able to watch that after <laughs> I, I watched it the first I time. I know. Maybe I'll try to watch it for my other show. What did we just watch one day? I don't know. I don't want to do it anytime soon. <laughs> That's my other podcast. Yeah. Director also did some episodes of Freddy's Nightmares. Remember that? I didn't really watch that show. It was not what you expected a Nightmare on Elm Street television show to be. I was around when it came on. Right. I didn't really watch it. Well, you can watch it on El Rey. They show it all the time. They're like the only people that have it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I think they are the only people that have it right now. I don't think you can stream it or whatever anywhere. But El Rey shows it on marathons every so often. Right. <laughs> Just in the middle of the day. And then the guy who wrote the remake, he also wrote the uh, Book of Shadows, the Blair Witch sequel. Huh. So House on Haunted Hill 59. Definitely recommended. House on Haunted Hill 99. You can watch it if you want. Yeah, you have LB's permission. <laughs> it's not a complete waste, but you might roll your eyes. It does indeed feel like 1999. Yes. I don't think anybody should feel the year of the movie that it's made. No, I mean, unless you are talking about 1959. <laughs> you know, like, granted, House on Haunted Hill is pretty cheesy, pretty corny, as a lot of old horror movies are. But you, you look past that because it has this sort of charm to me anyway. I really like vintage stuff. But, you know, I'm really glad it's 2016, and we do have these interesting directors making interesting films that go outside the genre a little bit. They're horror films, but they bring in elements of different genres to make them much more interesting. Sure. Films like The Witch, It Follows, even The Guest. Sure. Have really cool things about them. And I'm really glad that horror as a genre is progressing towards much more interesting things. Well, that brings us back to House on Haunted Hill. Is it really a horror film? According to the current roster of dyed-in-the-wool, tried-and-true, full-on horror, gore fans, whatever, no, it's not. 
because it's just a thriller. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, which is what they're saying about the new crop of horror films like The Witch. It's just a thriller. Yeah, it's just mystery. It's just, it's a, just a mystery. Yeah. It's just a thriller and so on. But horror doesn't just have to be all about the mayhem, the murder, seeing it and all that. It's about the fear, the suspense, yeah. the ratcheting of terror. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just being funny and spooky. Right. So you don't have to dismiss those films. If you are willing to call them horror, maybe the studios will actually market them as horror. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but apparently Neon Demon, they're saying it's mystery drama. Right. But uh, I've heard the criticism of just call it horror because that's what it is, people. So I think that about does it for houses on Haunted Hill. Houses? Houses, you know, like... Houses? It's just houses on Haunted Hill. Okay. Yeah. So thanks for checking us out, and you can find us on the internet. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Just um, do some Googling. Make some effort, you guys. Use your Google. Yeah. So thanks a lot for listening, and like we said earlier, we have some other cool uh, Halloween, October stuff coming up, so keep your... Peepers peeled and your ears cleaned. I said that earlier. Yeah. Clean your ears, everybody. Yeah. Just it's, so it's you, important, Yeah, actually. so you can hear us. But don't damage your eardrums. No. Good night. Good night. This podcast is brought to you by Ouch My Ego. Visit ouchmyego.com. They got their heads chopped off. Greetings. I'm Andrew Jemetsko. If you've enjoyed what you've been listening to and would like to support the show, please point your cursor to patreon.com slash Jimetsko. G-I-M-E-T-Z-C-O. Your support would work wonders. Thank you.